Coming up, Brooklyn takes on the Miami Heat, looking to pull themselves to 500 with injuries abound. Can they get it done? We dive in on the betting line and our predictions coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, uh, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day where he is Doug Norrie. I'm Adam Armbrecht. We're free on all those great platforms, including on the podcast feed where bonus game day episodes are going out, which includes breaking down the Brooklyn Nets taking on the Miami Heat. We're going to talk about the betting line here, Doug, and, and what we can expect from this game. Do you feel a little shook knowing that the Nets are dropping like flies across their rotation? Uh, it doesn't feel great. We talked about it on yesterday's episode that this feels um, we're already in an all hands on deck situation. It's only the uh, third game. No, it's going to be fourth game of the season with major guys. I mean, you know, we went into the season thinking the starting lineup was going to be Ben Simmons, Spencer Dinwiddie, um, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Nick Claxton. Three of those guys are already out. Now, thank goodness Cam Thomas has been so good that it like mitigates some of the concern a little bit. But in general, three-fifths of the proje- projected starting lineup is already hurt for this game, and that's just a rough situation to be in this early in the season for a team that kind of does need these guys. Of course, yeah. I mean, listen, we know that whether or not those two players and Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton are always going to work well together, if ever again, <laughs> inside of these rotations, you still need the quality of players. The funny thing for me is when we look over at the Miami Heat side of it, Listen, we talked about this given our season predictions. They've had certainly some more difficult matchups earlier in the year with the Bucs, with the Celtics, but they also got their first win against Detroit, their only win against Detroit. Where where did you feel about this team when you came into this season versus what you're seeing early days? In, in terms of the Nets, you mean? like, um, Yeah, just like, like originally we thought about, remember, first 10 games of the season, we thought, oh, yeah. well, you know, where can the Nets get wins? How is it going to look for them? Then all of a sudden you turn around, and, and this is what sample sizes do, right? Kind of inform the way other teams look relative to what the Nets' expectations are. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, so I think that, like, you know, when we looked at the schedule early on the season and we mapped out the first 10 games, I think that most reasonable people would have put the Cleveland and Dallas games at losses to start mm-hmm. the season, right? Um, specifically on the road at Dallas. Um, maybe you want to say at the, the Cleveland one's a little different because it's home. And, and, and so I, I but I think in, I called for the win. I did I, it. I do think in general, if you before the season started, you're like, okay, through the first three, Cleveland, Dallas, Charlotte, they'd probably be one and two, which is where they are (laughs) right now. I, but I think where you feel good about it is that if you look, and this is only three games, but if you look at sort of how they played those first, this is what makes you feel worse. So it's like, well, they could have snuck one of the wins out of those because they played so well against Cleveland and Dallas that you're like, oh, maybe they could have been two and one and they shouldn't really leave these things on the table. They have a positive point differential on the season. It's only three games, but. That's what happens when you kind of smoke one team and play the other two games close. And that's the sign of a decent team, right? Yep. And now it gets harder when everyone gets hurt. But the in general, I think that for me, this team has outperformed expectations. Um, and mostly it's because Simmons is a little better than I thought he was going to be. 
and Cam Thomas is way better than I thought he was going to yeah. be. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's also good early season to be like, there's one very clear thing that is different in a very positive way for this team that we didn't expect happening so early in the season. Coming up here in a second, let's take a look at this betting line, obviously, for the Brooklyn Nets, where the over-under is set in this one. And then I'm going to peek over at the Miami Heat and tell you why a leading scorer for them turns out might be a bad thing for their record. We'll get into that coming up next. Before we get to that, I'll tell you about our friends over on FanDuel score early this NFL and NBA season with FanDuel America's number one sports book right now new customers going to get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet so you put in a bet on the money line for $5 you win you're going to get 150 bucks it's that easy right now if you go to the money line on the Nets Keats plus 200 for the Nets they're underdogs here it's okay if you're going to take that five if they think they're going to win take that $5 you get some not really, really, really nice odds on it over at our friends on FanDuel. FanDuel's got everything, spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off this season. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. All right, so talking about the matchup with the Miami Heat here, game number four for the Brooklyn Nets, looking to pull to 500. The Miami Heat are bad. They only have one win on the season, Doug. This should be a layup. This is a sports term that we use around the NBA. Oh. Plus six on the money on the spread, excuse me, plus 200 on the money line, over under at 222 and a half, as you were just illustrating. This to me, I mentioned there at the end <laughs> before we got to, before we switched over to this, Tyler Hero. This guy's going out there in four games this season. He's rocking. We all know the the could-have-been Brooklyn net, 39 minutes of game action, 25 points. This guy's just raining them down, and guess what? It doesn't matter. When Tyler Hero is the scoring focal point of your offense, your team will lose. All I know for sure is Cam Thomas has done a better job. One and two, one and, one and three. You see what's what, what happening here? We have the better offensive player. But do you think that this transition for Miami is going to – be maybe a little bit more difficult for them as it clearly they said this in the offseason when they couldn't make the trades that they were comfortable making Tyler Hero even more of their offensive focus will that cost them wins like will that cost them games because they're playing a slightly different version of their team yeah okay so a little context here they did did play one game without Jimmy Butler and they played yep. one game without Bam Adebayo and this is they not a team Boston, that really played Milwaukee nevertheless yeah, right <laughs> Right, right. I was, and that's the other thing. They played. They have had a decently difficult schedule. I mean, they beat Detroit like they should have. Uh, they should have probably, you know, Boston's an awesome team. You know, Milwaukee too, and they lost to Minnesota. So, and again, like one without Jimmy, one without Bam. Um, so I think they probably don't want to be one and three. But if you're talking about a team, they probably can't afford to have their top of their top line guys be out. This is another one because yes. this team gets really, really thin, really fast, and. I, I think we kind of knew, or at least I pr- projected this, that Tyler Hero is going to have kind of insane usage to start this season because mm-hmm. they're just, you know, Kyle Lowry's kind of a dust ball. And the and and if they're going to miss any time from these other guys, they just really don't have much in the way of scoring behind him. I think it's a little unfair to say that like a team that's <laughs> with him is going to take all these shots is going to be a losing team. I think that that is probably not correct. And I think, you're, you know, you're, we're seeing this on the podcast. Adam's kind of smiled through all this stuff. But um, <laughs> I do think, you know, look, we're going to see a lot of minutes from him. I think we're going to see you know, they're going to probably go switch heavy again. And I think they should. And I think they have the Nets, even injured, have the personnel to kind of deal with this. And I think that's actually a pretty good sign for them. Jimmy, probably a little bit of a harder, uh, a harder matchup for them. But in general, I think the Nets are set up pretty well to not have Miami, even with the Nets injured, to not have Miami take total control of this game. 
Yeah, no, tongue-in-cheek, as I may have been, the point you just made, I, I think Tyler Hero, from a defensive perspective, the Nets have bodies to throw at him, right? Like, they're going to have the opportunity to be pretty effective against them. Will Jimmy Butler, you know, in the interior is probably where I look at. We said already the Nets over these first three games, they've been able to win the rebounding battles. They've been able to play well against some size in, in other teams. I do wonder about the the Bam Adebayo on the interior with no Nick Claxton, right? Jimmy Butler, who I think when he sees the opportunity and knows that there's a a physical matchup that he can go dominate, that's that's what he'll lean into more often than not. So, I do you do you look at let's I would probably say like the Dorian Finney-Smith of the world. We mentioned Trendon Watford, kind of looking to get a sample size of some of these guys injured. I think the Nets would be smart to try to look at some of their, and this could be a Royce O'Neal moment too. This guy's shown up and said he can play above his weight class sometimes. Be ready to have some of the more physical players just to try to keep Miami away from the paint as much as possible early, force them into being a perimeter shooting team, at which point then I like those matchups. Like That's where I think the Nets want to see this game go early as possible. Yeah, that's what I would do. I would, uh, you know, I I think it could be Royce O'Neal. There's another chance that we could see Lonnie Walker here. I, I think it. Oh, could, I think Lonnie's you know, gonna I'm, be in. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm not sure. Defensive, but then offensively, firepower is what you want. Yeah, yeah. No, I think again, like I think either way, actually, I'm not too crazy concerned mm. about it because I think you just trade off one thing for the other. I think if you start right. Royce O'Neal, you get a little bit of a, a a more stout defensive presence, and he can definitely switch higher up. Right, he can switch all the way up to the four. You feel pretty good about that. Um, where Lonnie is not going to be able to do that. But what we've seen from Lonnie Walker early in the season is really dynamic scoring, um, even and not just, you know, spot of three point shooting, getting to the rack, yeah. beating guys off the dribble. They definitely, Miami has definitely has some guys that he, he can do that to. And I think that either way with this, look, again, with Lonnie Walker, you're going to give up something on defense, but you're going to take something back on offense. So I think mm-hmm. either one of these choices, I think no matter what, what we're going to see is like a seven, I, we might just see like a seven man rotation here. Like, and with maybe an eighth guy kind of thrown in. And I mm. think the Nets want to, I think they want to win this. I think they probably feel like they can. And I feel like you're going to see major minutes out of the starters and then one, and then major minutes out of both Walker and Oris O'Neill, even whoever doesn't start. Yep. And then like two other guys off the bench. And that's going to be the, maybe a little day around because uh, you're not worried about switching Bam on everything. And you feel okay about that. And then, right. And then, that's it. And that's, I, I think that might be like kind of the whole lineup. So we'll see, but I, I feel pretty good. I, I think what we've seen from this team early on is that Simmons and Thomas are just for me playing so much better than I thought they were going to. I think it's, it, it raises the floor in a way that I was already feeling pretty good about it. But now I do feel, I can feel myself feeling even more bullish about the team. I said it the other day, I went with 43 and 39 as a season prediction. And in spite of starting the year one and two, I feel more confident about that prediction than I did coming in. We think about the line here real quick, as we mentioned, if you if you believe in, and I do, that the Nets can go out and win this game, you can go ahead and take it on the uh, Nets one to 10 margin of victory. That's going to be a uh, plus 300. So I would go ahead and grab that rather than waste your time on the money line at a measly plus 200 in this game. And I agree with you just about the uh, about needing this win. You can give your take on a bet if you want. With this Miami game at Miami, then at Chicago, again, another game you'd say, hey, we need to go win this. The Nets can get themselves above 500 before that first game for the in-season tournament against the Celtics at home, followed by the Bucks, followed by the Clippers, right? And then on the road for the Celtics. So knowing that you have these four very difficult games coming up behind it, you want to look at this one and that Chicago game and say, let's get ourselves above 500. Let's get a little bit of you know confidence, some wins stocked up because you know there's going to be these battles. 
Yeah, uh, I think again, I think I'm with you. I like I like that bet a lot. Um, and maybe this is me just drinking a lot of Nets Kool Aid and maybe not go. factoring in completely the injury situation here, which nope, could very nope. well be. Well, right and, and 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 it, it's a shame too because DSJ would have been a really nice matchup here to to go against both Highland, yeah. both both Hero and and Butler on switching schemes. But regardless. Again, we uh, we push forward even in a world where the Nets feel like they're always injured. Okay, uh, much appreciated. Uh, everyone jumping in on the podcast feed here. Reminder, if you are only on the podcast, make sure you jump over to Locked on Nets on YouTube where we are going to be live after the game, win or lose against the Heat tonight. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.